Well, all right. So hi, everyone. And thanks so much for joining the first ever Badass Women in Business podcast, where I interview interesting and successful women in business so we can all learn from their experiences. Uh, today, I'm joined by Stephanie Carrillo, who is the Chief Operating Officer at Box, where I work, uh, and who is a complete badass. And I've had the pleasure of working for her over the past four years. Um, Steph has had a fascinating, long and successful career, having held executive roles at IBM, Apple and Cisco prior to joining Box as COO. So I think this will be a really fantastic session. Welcome, Steph, and thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks, Amanda. I'm super excited. Uh, I like being called a badass woman. So <laughs> this, should be, uh, this should be fun. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so I have a few questions prepared here. And if that's okay with you, we can dive right in. Go for it. All right. So, okay. So you are the COO of Box. What, for our listeners and potential viewers, I guess, uh, does that role entail? So the easiest way to think about this uh, is that the chief operating officer role in these companies, software companies, uh, are usually focused on customers and the market. So if you think about those two things, everything related to customers in the market, it means uh, any or part of the organization that sells. So there's a sales organization. So we engage and sell to customers. Uh, any part of the organization that supports customers. So um, in our industry, it's called customer success management. So it's looking after the needs of the customers so that they get the most out of the investment that they make with your uh, technology and product, or if they've got any concerns, we support them, or if they need some help, we provide some professional services. So everything sort of wraps under this sort of customer success. So once you pay us some money, we want to make sure you get the very, very, very best value from that. Um, making sure customers know about us and who we are and what the product does. And so everything related to marketing um, and understanding where we fit in the market. So all of the functions you can think about in a marketing organization from awareness to creating demand and interest to PR and media, um, communication, so all things marketing related. And then sort of we sort of go back into the back office and say, okay, how do we ensure that all of the folks who work in these organizations are trained and enabled? So we, we spend a lot of time on ensuring they understand sort of how to sell the technology, how to be successful with the customer, how to get stuff done, both internally and externally. So the operational piece of that. Um, so everything related to customers and markets. And I also am responsible for the international markets outside of the United States. So a pretty uh, expansive role that keeps me busy every day of the week. Um, and uh, how many people are on your team, like in the whole org? Yeah, it's about, I think we're close to about 1,200 people. So about 50% of the entire company sits in a go-to-market function, which is essentially what all the roles I just described are a part of. Um, so it's a pretty big organization. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot a lot to do. And we get we, we get to help customers solve problems. So it's a really enjoyable job. Uh, and I help to build an organization that supports the customers, which is great. That's fantastic. And you've been here for six years, which, mm. you know, it's software years. That's actually a pretty long time. <laughs> Why do you stay? You know, I get asked this a lot and um, it, a, it doesn't feel like six years. I, I will be six years in two weeks time, which is incredible. When I first got here, I would never have imagined six years later, I'd still be here, but it's been an incredibly fun ride. Uh, I think I stay for three primary reasons. The people, and I know you probably hear that a lot, but um, if you're going to 
if you're going to be anywhere for and work 12 hours a day, you better do it with people that you admire and respect and you love working with and you know they're in the trenches with you every day um, through good and good and bad, thick and thin. And this is that type of organization since the day I joined it. And um, and so the fact that people are very hardworking, very humble, very smart, very grounded, and very focused on the same North Star is probably the reason why I've really stayed here. There's something really special and unique about the culture. And um, I always thought I had a bit of bias around it, but every time we, we've hired a new leader and they've spent time here, they've always said, you've undersold the culture. We always thought it was, you know, you were just saying some nice things about it and then it, it's actually true and, and possibly even better than what you, you've said. And then the innovation, like I've been in tech for over 30 years now, and I wasn't a tech person to start with. I have a degree in economic history. So at the end of the day, economic I, history or economics and history? Uh, my, my major was economic history, actually. So I did economics as well, but it was really, I looked a lot of what I studied was looking at the social impact of economic policies. So it's really interesting, sort of a sort of an, the intersection of kind of the, the arts and business, I've always said. So it's always really fascinating. And I think why I loved that and why I love working in tech and at Box is because what we do is solve problems. And I love to solve problems. And, and so I think, um, and we have an appetite for that here. And so again, that's something that, you know, our founder, Aaron, instilled in us and really built into the sort of foundation as well as the the hard wiring of the business and I think that's probably why I love to stay here it's just exciting tech tech's just fun and interesting and yeah you do great things with clients it's great how did you end up coming here yeah it was interesting I um I had taken a sabbatical um after I'd left Apple, I um, my dad got sick, and um, and so I ended up taking a, a, a bit of a break, and I went home um, to spend a few months with dad. And then when I came back, I'd been approached by a number of organisations, and uh, and I was sort of thinking about what is it that I wanted to do next. And I decided that I really loved technology, not for the technology itself. But what it enabled, and that was really what how I fell into tech in the first place, I think. And, and so um, I had an opportunity to see Aaron by accident speak at a conference that I was attending, and I met him briefly. And, uh, and then someone we both knew introduced us, um, and uh, I'd been speaking with other organizations, but there was something about him um, and the organization and what he was building, just this incredible passion and dedication and um he was somewhat maniacal about just knowing that we had something really special we could go do and I thought well it would be really fun to be on this rocket ship with him and um with the people that I'd met uh who were all amazing and everyone wanted to sort of be on this rocket ship and build this together and uh and I and also I felt like I had learned so many things over the years at larger organizations that could help the business scale because it was sort of at an inflection point yeah. at that stage. And I thought, well, I've got a good, I've, I've got a really good set of practical still skills that they really needed at the time. Uh, the things that were important to Aaron in the organization that were really customer centric and go-to-market oriented. They, I had all the, I had done it for the, you know, 25 years. And so I thought I could really make a difference 
and make an impact pretty fast. And so it played to sort of both of our strengths and what we were looking for. And, and yeah, so here I am. So, um, and so just for everyone, so Aaron Levy is uh, founded Box uh, in 2005 when he was 19. Is that 19, the, 19. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but still here, <laughs> so we're still, and uh, obviously is uh, Steph's uh, direct boss. Um, but uh, did so, and so you were connected by friends. So they were looking for a CEO. They were looking. Yes, the CEO. Okay. My predecessor um, was sort of retiring and uh, had joined the board, and so they were. And his his background was quite different. It was very. Uh, very focused on the product and engineering, which is the right thing at the time as the company was getting started. It was very much about building this incredible platform. And so the prior CEO had skills around that. And as they had started to get momentum in the marketplace and they were selling and, and dealing with clients, they realized that they needed someone at for the next stage or chapters to really build the organization from a uh, just a customer journey, like how do we ensure that we know who prospective customers are, that we go after them, that we sell to them, that we help them adopt the product, that we help them be successful in that whole cycle, um, that customer life cycle management. And that's the type of skills that they needed at that stage. And so they were looking for someone with a very specific set of skills and which happened to marry with some of my skills and experiences. That's great. So, um, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about the illustrious background prior to coming to Box, but um, how did you even get up from like economic, sorry, history <laughs> of economics yeah. to uh, to your current career path? Because it's kind of started in sales, I think, right? And kind of it moved. did, it did. Yeah. You know, honestly, um, I always say by accident, and maybe maybe it was serendipitous because I truly feel like this incredible journey that I've been on for the last thirty three years enabled me to land in the dream job. I mean, I never, when I was growing up, I never said I want to be a chief operating officer. You know, I didn't even know what a chief operating officer was. But all of the experiences enabled me to acquire a, a set of skills and continue to build on those skills, identify a love for customers and for the market and for leading teams and all the things that sort of over the years have come to the surface that I really enjoy doing get a tremendous amount of satisfaction and fulfillment from and hope in return that I do the same for others, uh, individuals and organizations. And so I do feel like the experiences along the way um, really um, helped me solidify what I thought was the, you know, ultimately going to be a career path that was very much focused on solving problems, um, solving real world problems. So I was never really interested in going into consulting, for example, and being a, a consultant because I wanted, wanted to be at the front line. I wanted to be in, in the sort of thick of the action. So how do you solve problems in, in an organization and with others? Um, and so the experiences all led me here today. So maybe it was serendipitous. I don't know. <laughs> so what was your first sales job? So it's really funny. My very first sales job was when I was at university. I worked at Mrs. Fields Cookies for three years, <laughs> supporting myself. So I got very good at baking and selling cookies at scale, I would argue. Um, uh, my twin sister does make a better chocolate chip cookie than I do, unfortunately, even after my experience at Mrs. Fields. So that was my very, very first job. But I was one of, I was really lucky when I was at university. Um, all of the major companies used to come on campus, made it a lot easier for students to actually interview. 
So I did a lot of interviewing in my final year at university and um, had an opportunity to interview with uh, a bunch of clients and got three job offers, uh, of which one was with IBM. It was their graduate program. And at the time, I'd, I have to confess, I wrote my honours thesis on a typewriter. I didn't even realise that they were truly a computer company because they did such an incredible job of positioning. They solved real world business problems. And so as you were going through the interview process, I thought, wow, that's what I like to do. I like to solve problems. This looks like a perfect fit. Having no idea what they really did. It was really funny back then. And they had this incredible 12 month graduate program where you learn all about sales. I coded, I did a whole bunch of interesting things and they looked at your, as they were sort of developing you in that first 12 months, they looked at your skill set and they were watching and they placed you into particular streams. And I guess they clearly thought I was going to be good at sales. So they put me in that stream and, um, and that was my sort of first job and it got me on my way um, in terms of sort of spending time with customers and, and being in this industry. Amazing. So that was in Australia or it was in Australia. Yep. So I I started with the Mrs. Fields thing. I didn't know they were outside. Yes, she was very big everywhere. Yes. (laughs) In her heyday. Oh, there were a lot of Mrs. Fields in Australia. (laughs) Um, So that's amazing. And so for anyone kind of who's starting out on their career that may be um, listening today, uh, does IBM still have the program? Do you think? They do. They still do graduate programs. At the time, IBM and General Electric GE were the two largest graduate programs in the world. Uh, today, they still do it, as do many tech companies. The banks have great graduate programs. GE still does one. So there's lots of really great programs. It's one way of sort of getting into a career because you get the opportunity to learn on the ro- like on the job in a more formal way and experience lots of different parts of the organization. Uh, I'm on an advisory council for a, a global bank and they have an incredible uh, global graduate program that I was able to sort of experience a couple of months back in Singapore and met some of the, the graduates going through this program. One of the advantages of these larger programs is these graduates were getting exposure every eight to 12 weeks with different parts of the bank. And so they start to learn, not just learn, but think about the things that they're really interested in. And the bank gets to observe, well, they've got this unique skill set. We should put them here. Um, And so uh, I loved it. I, I felt that with without this graduate program, I'm not sure I would have landed where I am today. Yeah. That's great. And it's good to know they still exist. Um, at least for the right people at the right universities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So um, we talked about your first real job, unless there was something prior to Mrs. Fields. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so uh, what is the best career decision you ever made? You know, I, I, I probably have to say that very first decision because I really do feel like a lot of the business success that I've had, I can attribute to the fact that I had this incredible training ground at IBM. And at the time, it was the largest technology player in the world. I think when I joined, there were over 400,000 or 460,000 employees, half a million employees, and they did everything. Like it was the go-to tech company of its generation. And, And so And I have a number of friends who I met in that first year who remain very dear friends of mine who have all gone on to do some pretty amazing things, both within the tech industry and outside. And we will all tell you that that starting point 
changed our career trajectories, I think, in our lives, professional lives forever. It gave us the opportunity and exposure to so much at scale that it would have been very difficult to have accomplished some of these things without that. So I do feel like um, that that decision, and I had three job offers in hand at the time, the fact that I made that decision led me down this path. If I'd taken either of the other two roles, I'm not sure my career would have looked the same way. Um, so that that's probably the best career decision I've ever made, that first one, yeah. Amazing. And you were, what, 21? I mean, that's... Like, I was 21, yeah. I think there's, you know, it's fortuitous, serendipitous. I don't know, maybe there's a lot of good luck and good timing in successful careers. Um, and uh, uh, and I, I do think, you know, that that probably played a part as well. So speaking of that, so, you know, what key piece of advice would you give to our listeners on building a successful career? Yeah, you know, there are a couple as I look back at mine, but I would definitely uh, say um, keep an open mind because opportunities always present themselves when you never expect them to um, uh, as a general statement. And therefore, um, you need to be open to sort of things that come your way. I, I was, if I think about my personal sort of decision-making and careers, uh, a lot of things sort of crossed my paths and that was the advantage of being in a larger organisation. You sort of had visibility to things and I was never afraid to try something. My parents always said to me, always said, Steph, if you don't try, you'll never know. And what's the worst thing that can happen? You'll try something else. You know, you'll pick yourself up and you'll try something else. And so from a, from a, a professional perspective, I always thought, take the opportunities as they present themselves. If they meet certain criteria, we all have our own criteria, but, um, and it's, you're never going to make a bad decision. Even if things don't quite work out as you had hoped or expected, you're always going to walk away having learned something, um, met someone. There's going to be silver linings to every decisions, even when they look like they were the wrong decisions. You And I think about a couple of decisions that didn't go as planned. I could still take away an entire list of positive things that came from those decisions. And so you, I think that if you keep an open an open mind to things, try things, um, there'll be opportunities that you will never have anticipated, um, and there and it that'll that'll shape your career in a way that you couldn't have planned for. The other piece of this, particularly now in this environment where innovation and technology is moving so quickly, and the world is so dynamic and fluid, you. You, you have to be a little fearless and you have to have the courage um, and the fortitude to go with change. Um, and change is uncomfortable for all of us, but um, I do feel like you've got to be open to change. And with change comes some trepidation, obviously, particularly from a career perspective. But you need to you need to embrace might be too strong a world, but you need you need to feel comfortable that whatever might happen, you're gonna you're gonna be ready for it. And so I I do feel like if you're not open to 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 sort of change, that it may prevent you from from experiencing some amazing things, both personally and professionally. But it is it is definitely disconcerting at times. But I do think. I've had mentors who've always said to me, Steph, 
be be courageous and i do agree with that um you know and if you think about what steve jobs said about being curious and curiosity and courage i think go hand in hand a little bit um because being curious exposes you to things but then you've got to have the strength to go forward and i've always been a little believe it or not i definitely have always been someone who errs on the side of conservatism and i've i've taught myself to push beyond the point of return, get yourself so uncomfortable that you can't go back. You've got to keep going forward. Um, And it's a little trick I play on myself and it's worked over the years. It's like, oh, wow, I guess I'm at this stage. I can't go back. I've got to keep going forward. Um, And so I do, I do think that was great advice from a couple of mentors. And as such, you know, I got opportunities to travel and to live in other parts of the world with my jobs and to meet incredible people that have changed my life and influenced my life in so many ways, Um, to try new things, to figure out things I didn't like. That was the other part of this. I mean, career is not just about kind of figuring out where you want to go, but it's also figure out where you don't want to go, which is nearly more important um, as you explore other opportunities. And so I do think... Um, you know, being curious and courageous sort of go hand in hand. That's really, really, really wise, really wise advice. <laughs> um, so you mentioned some mentors, but how about um, managers? Who in your career, which you, you mentioned was 30 years and counting, yeah. um, who is your best manager and why? And you don't have to say Aaron. Um, so we can just no, actually I will talk about two incredible leaders my very very first manager was a woman named Barbara Purley she has since passed away unfortunately but it was a pretty big deal when I joined um, IBM and the tech you know in the tech industry that was back in 1990 it was a pretty male-dominated environment industry It, it always was and we've made We've made good strides over the last 30 plus years. There's still more work to be done, but good strides. And at the time, Barbara Purley was the only female leader in IBM Australia and New Zealand. And at the time, I think there were at least six or 7,000 employees. So it was a pretty large operation. And to have been assigned Barbara was pretty incredible um, as a young woman uh, just to have a female role model in an environment that was you know 85% men and she really and there were a group of us she took under her wing and she really gave us the confidence to be strong and um, uh, in when when at times it really was quite overwhelming uh, because there weren't as many of us and IBM did a phenomenal job with its graduate intake. It was 50-50 gender-wise um, and uh, when we started. And so Barbara was incredible. She showed me what a, you know, a smart female business person looked like. And I had never, I had never really been around one before. Um, and so um, she was pretty inspirational. What she, and she had to lead the charge back then on her own. So she had, you know. She'd been with the company for, I think, when when she was my manager for over 15 years. And so she really, you know, was a trailblazer as I look back and she gave us all an opportunity to shine. So I think Barbara was pretty monumental just in terms of, you know, seeing seeing what you can be. 
And then, um, and then I've always uh, had an incredible mentor and leader who I've worked for at a number of companies now, uh, David Thodey, remarkable human being, remarkable business leader at home. He ended up running um, IBM in Asia Pack for a period of time, and then he ran, you know, the largest telecommunications company back home for a number of years, and he's been chairman of a number of things, and he's still highly influential in the business world, as well as not-for-profit world at home. And he just showed me what, um, what a humble, kind, smart, thoughtful human being could accomplish in business. And um, and there were so many things, all the things that I want to get better at. I always look at David and aspire to do to do better in these ways because I remember, you know, he knew the name of the of the janitor, and he treated the janitor the same way he treated the CEO of a bank. And there was just something remarkable about the way he engaged with humans, which translated in the business world. And it reminded me that. Um, that you could be an incredibly good human being and be very successful. Um, and it was just a really good, it was just an incredible role model to have throughout my entire life, actually. So yeah, so David's pretty remarkable. Well, no, that's uh, that's fantastic. I um, completely agree with that, by the way, treating everyone with respect, regardless of role, title, or, or you know, what they're doing. So for sure. Um, what is one skill that you have that you believe makes you successful at your job? Uh, I would say... Just one, just one, Steph. One. Uh, I am a good problem solver. I really love to solve a problem. And um, and even outside of work, people always say to me, you're always able to come up with a way to figure something out. Like there's always a way. There, there just is. Um, may not always be perfect, but... There's, there's usually a way. And if at all possible, as you're problem solving, you're finding an outcome that's good for all parties involved. Um, and, and so that's just an area that I've always felt that I've been able to develop over the years and I've gotten better and better at it. And I think as a, generally speaking, I do feel like that it's one of the skills that has enabled me, particularly in this role, um, to do, to do well at. Um, and I, you know, you're constantly getting better and better at it um, over time. And, you know, problems get harder and harder at this level. But I do feel like it's a skill that I've spent a lot of time working on and um, and I do relatively well. Great, for sure. Um, I've seen it in action, so, so I can, <laughs> I can attest to that. Um, so what, so, okay, the, the next question that we have on the list is what is your super strength? Is it problem solving or do you have a different? I think, uh, I think I context switch really well. And so in this role, one of the things, this is why it's such a fun role is that you, you get to cover a very, very wide set of responsibilities. And therefore, as a result, you're constantly shifting. So if I take a normal day, the range and diversity of meetings that I have can range from a customer meeting to a process review to a deal review to reviewing some financial number like you're constantly going from one topic to the next they could be totally different extreme topics chalk and cheese as we would say and so you you have to get really good at context switching um, and it's something that I think people have commented on a lot uh, over the years and I do think it's a little bit of a superpower it's awesome cool what is your main fault? Easy. Well, there's many of them, but the one that springs to mind all the time, I'm very impatient and I've tried to get better at it, but I'm, I like to move fast. And, um, 
and I'm I've, I'm a high energy fast person anyway, which I can drive you a little crazy. Like um, I walk fast, I talk fast, etc. So it's I'm sort of wired for pace, and so it definitely um, I've had I've had to work on it. I'm still working on it. I would say that I, um, I I move a little too quickly, and I'm a little impatient sometimes. So uh, so definitely something that I continue to work on every day. That's that, that's a good fault too because it's also a positive. So it's like a good interview answer. And um, all right, so what inspires you most? You know, at the moment there are some incredible young people in the world doing really important things and trying to drive change in really important topics, and it's restored my faith in humanity somewhat. Be it whether it's climate change or whether it's um, uh, equal opportunities for everyone or whatever it may be. There's just that I feel like right now that there are incredible young people all over the place trying to make the world better for everyone. And uh, I do feel like that's um, when things can seem pretty gloomy at times, I have to remind myself that um, there's some incredible things going on and, uh, and it's sort of inspiring me to continue to do better every day. So yeah, so that that's definitely restored my faith in humanity somewhat. That's um, it's fantastic. Um, what would you like to change about your current role? Yeah, I I read this question and I thought nothing. Honestly, I don't think there is one thing that I would want to change about the role. Now, someone would come into the role when I sort of step down, let's say, and may approach it differently, and therefore would make some changes. But the way I've sort of worked on creating and shaping the role over the last six years. I don't think there's anything that I would change right now for me, but the next person, when I hand on the baton may in fact, take, take it to a different, a different level, which is fantastic as you should, but nothing I would change right now. That's amazing. That is a good uh, position to be in, right? And <laughs> But that said, all right, so there may come a point where you aren't doing this for a living. Um, so if you weren't doing this, but could do anything at all, what would it be? I have so many crazy responses for this one. Um, I'm a foodie, so I've always wanted to own a deli. How's that? Um, uh, I uh, I did a lot of flower arrangement courses when I was younger, and I thought owning a florist could be fun. Um with my sort of operational skills, I definitely, on a more serious note, um, uh, have started to do more non-for-profit work and I um, and I plan on doing a lot more. And I do feel like the business skills and the operating skills that I have will be really beneficial to uh, some non-for-profit organizations. So that's definitely something that I've always said I would want to do. And it's on it's it's in my plan to to do more of that. So um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a journalist or or an athlete. I was never good enough to be an athlete. And I still write for fun. Um, uh, but um, I'm glad I landed in the business world. Yeah. What do you write? Uh, I write short stories. When I, for many years, I did a lot of traveling for work across Asia. And so I've written lots and lots and lots of short stories. And I used to give them to people as birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. I'd write a, a short story for an individual. So for a friend or a family member. Uh, and I've written uh, over the years, a lot of, a lot of short stories. Yeah. I've just always enjoyed writing. That's, a, I didn't know this about you. This is, uh, that is so impressive. Um, and it's a hobby we share. So, uh, Thank you. um, okay. 
if you could live anywhere, so you're currently living in, uh, where is it, near San Francisco? Yeah, Sausalito, just outside of San Francisco. Yep. So if you could live anywhere, where would that be? So I've been really lucky that I've had an opportunity to live in a variety of places and, and I've, and I've loved everywhere that I have been. And I've, I love traveling. Like I I really love traveling. And so I've got to visit a lot of places and spend in some instances, more time in, in one or two locations. Honestly, um, we have a beach house, a family beach house in Australia. If you look at a map of Australia, it's at the very bottom uh, of the country. Uh, it's a little seaside town called Point Lonsdale, and it's probably my most favorite place on earth. And so um, when this chapter comes to an end and it's time to settle back and get old um, and enjoy that, I plan on doing that in Point Lonsdale. It's amazing. Um, I like that too, that it's, you already have the house, so you're, you're prepared. It's like on the path. <laughs> And um, okay, two final questions that are kind of fun. Uh, number one, what is your favorite podcast aside from this one? Uh, aside from this one, a uh, <laughs> few podcasts that I regularly listen to. I do the daily, which is the New York Times podcast. It's just great, keeps me up to date, and it's super interesting. For fun, I listen to Smartless. <laughs> What's that one? It's uh, three very well-known actors, um, uh, Jason Bateman and a couple of other guys who interview famous people. And they are really ridiculous. But if you're on a run or a hike and you just want a really good laugh, uh, I would highly recommend Smartless. And then I do listen to The Moth Hour, which I've always enjoyed, everyday people telling everyday stories. I like a good crime podcast. And then uh, Guy Raz on NPR does How I Built This, which I love. I've always listened to. So there's just a handful of my podcasts. That's great. I've been to a moth live, but not oh, haven't listened yeah. to the podcast yet. That's, yeah, uh, that's you'd great. love it. Yeah. All right. Finally, uh, what is your favorite business book? This is a hard one um, because there are lots of great books that I've enjoyed reading. So a few favorites from a pure business lens, um, Malcolm Gladwell is always someone I've, I love. So tipping point I've loved. Look, in my line of business, particularly if you've ever been in sales, good to great, Jim Collins book is always something you read. Um, I do, I'm, I personally love autobiographies. And so um, personal history is Catherine Graham, who ran the Washington Post. It's an incredible autobiography, both personal and business-wise. If you've never read it, I would highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite books in the whole world. Brene Brown, who I adore, you know, dare to lead. How can that, how can you not like that? Um, I, a few years ago, I read Sam Walton's story and I was fascinated by what he built, that empire. Um, I was always like just incredible what what he accomplished and you know the the incredible work that they've done uh, you know with Walmart and all the foundations and everything else and then um, just a couple of inspirational books um, Nelson Mandela's book um, obviously The Long Walk to Freedom uh, is a great great book um, so yeah they're some of my favorites it's great um, and quite a broad range. Uh, yeah, well. yeah. I, I do love reading. I don't get enough time to read, but I do love it. Yeah. All good stuff. Well, listen, Steph, this was great. Um, so interesting. Congratulations on the career and um, uh, glad to be working with you and really appreciate you being my first ever guest on this podcast. Thank, oh, thank you. you for having me. It's been a blast. And honestly, I do feel very fortunate. It has been a really fun and rewarding career through all the ups and downs. So hopefully there are a few nuggets in there that can inspire people to, to join us in tech. And we need more great women leaders and more women in general. So yeah, so hopefully there's something in there for everyone. 
All right, appreciate it. And thanks to all of our listeners for, uh, for sticking with us here for the 30 or so minutes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.